You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Hi guys, and welcome back to You Need Therapy, a special holiday weekend edition coming to you on Memorial Day. My name is Kat and I am your host and I'm so happy if this is a day off for you. I'm so happy that you're listening to this. And if you're listening to it later in the week, glad you made it back. This episode is very exciting for me and I think is thought provoking, very interesting. So I'm glad you're here and I'm glad that you are going to lean into some of the stuff that I am talking about today. So I'm coming to you all alone to talk about trauma and man, I got some things to say, some stuff to talk about today. So here's the thing. I originally was planning on talking about PTSD and war veterans, but then I sat down to jot out my notes and put my thoughts together and I found myself wanting to tell that story, but I also wanted to tell another story. And My thought about doing the episode on PTSD and war veterans was timely because of the fact that it's Memorial Day. But again, another story came up, multiple stories came up. And so this episode is about that, but it's about a lot more than that. And the other story that I wanted to tell was the story of transition and hope and new information and allowing us to create new belief systems. It's the story of the ability for us to change. And as much anger as I am about to step into as I talk about the history of how trauma and war veterans has been viewed and handled, I have just as much gratitude and love for how far we have come. Seriously. And I just want to say that this idea gets to translate all across the world and in your life. Just because it was once one way, it doesn't mean it has to continue to be that way. And it got me thinking recently somebody had called me a hypocrite. 
Of course, not to my face, but they called me that. And it was because I started doing something that in my past I was so adamantly against. But when I learned new information, I actually discovered that I was previously wrong. And so I allowed myself to shift. If that's what it is, then I guess being a hypocrite isn't a bad thing. And it's really a sign of humility and strength. But I don't actually think that is what a hypocrite is. So anyway, we are just going to be here today still talking about trauma and the history of PTSD and trauma and war veterans. But also, I want you to hear the story that is being told behind the story. And I am someone who likes to operate as much as I can from the idea that people are doing the best they can with what they have or what they know. And sometimes what they have means the information that they have. So we get to be angry about how messed up things were for sure. hundred percent. I was so angry. It's like, I got angry again. Like I knew this, but then I was like, oh, I'm sitting in it. So I'm angry again. So we get to be angry. And as we learn more, we get to allow the opportunity for the best they can to change. Now, I want to start this conversation with some basics. Like what is trauma? And yes, we've talked about this before, but sometimes we do need a little refresh. And also we have new listeners all the time. So maybe you guys have never heard me talk about this. So what is trauma? I feel this one deep in my soul (laughs) with the ever growing ability to find information about mental health online and accessible in books comes the ever growing ability for things to get misconstrued. It's kind of like sometimes we play a big game of telephone with mental health and we all know how telephone goes (laughs) and truly hear me this. I love the accessibility like Love, love, love the accessibility of information. Obviously, it's one of the reasons I started this podcast. And sometimes the information is being repeated by well-meaning people who maybe don't actually know what they're talking about. Wild thought that someone could do that, that somebody on the internet might not know what they're talking about. So the other problem is that because mental health is on the up right now, I think that we are doing a great job to talk about it more, to speak about it more. It's something that more people want to be a part of. We're also capitalizing on this. And in the end, accidentally, I hope it's accidentally exploiting things like trauma and what trauma is to gain followings. I've talked about this before and I don't like it. Trauma and mental health is not something that is, should be thought of as trendy and should be something that we use or capitalize on to gain a following for a personal gain, personal gain. Hear me on that. So let's get one thing very, very clear. Not everything that you have a feeling about is or needs to be categorized as trauma. And what one person may categorize as trauma, you may not and vice versa. It's not anyone's job to tell you what is and what isn't trauma, depending on who they are, because this is kind of sticky and weird and tricky because some of you, maybe some of you have been clients of mine might be thinking, but Kat, Remember that time that we did a timeline and you looked at me with that crazy face that you make, (laughs) you know, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, that's not normal. That's trauma. Yeah, I do do that. I do. Sometimes I have to help others who have a warped view of what normal is and what healthy is. I have to help them see things. And I also do this in a therapeutic setting as a therapist. So I guess what I'm, I'm saying is just be careful out there. I have to be careful. I tread so lightly around this stuff and I'm working through that myself, but I don't want to put too much information out there. And I don't want to tell anybody out in the interwebs what their story is and what it means. I can do that with clients, but that's so different. 
And I say be careful because sometimes it's less of a problem that people are categorizing your trauma for you, but more of a problem that they are telling you what that means. So if you experience X, that means that you must do Y. Or if you do Y, it's because you have experienced X. Not necessarily, and we'll get to that, but I just think it's worth to say that nothing is 100% always the case, 100% all of the time. And I just want that to be out there. Now, what do I believe trauma is? I believe trauma can be anything that is less than nurturing. Now, here's the kicker. Not everyone who experiences trauma has PTSD. Some people that experience trauma will never look at it, never acknowledge it, and they, they might be okay, they might not be okay. But also, not everybody develops PTSD. And also, there is a difference between PTSD and complex PTSD. And there is a difference between trauma and complex trauma. Also, PTSD is not a simple diagnosis, and treatment for it varies depending on who you are, your experiences, your resources, and your individual makeup. So stay with me to hear more on this, but for a second, longer than a second, I want to take a little turn here and talk about how differently we used to look at trauma because y'all, it's fascinating. And we're going to focus on talking about PTSD and war veterans, like I said, because you know, it's Memorial Day and this stuff is important. Now, I also want to say here that I am not an expert when it comes to military trauma and PTSD. Honestly, the military is its own culture and to be a competent practitioner when it comes to the groups you're working with, it's important to understand and take all of that into account. So I just want to say up top that my specialty is not military and war trauma. However, I believe that this is a valid and important conversation for a couple of reasons. Some I've already said, but also because of the minimization I think there can be out there about the effects and also just to kind of give us a general understanding of where we've come from. So what we now know is that military service members who have come from combat or at a much higher risk of suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, because of the traumatic things that they, they have witnessed or experienced directly. And what that might look like when they come home is reliving the events, having flashbacks, being hypervigilant, which might mean being worried that something or someone's going to hurt them, just being on edge and aware, over aware, avoiding situations that remind them of those things, or maybe just even experiencing increased negative thoughts and feelings and depression and on and on and on and on and on. That can look a lot of ways, but those are some of the ways. Again, we know this now. We know that the experience of combat can change someone who otherwise lived a healthy life simply due to the exposure of these events. But we did not always know this. So there's this wonderfully amazing book called Trauma and Recovery written by Judith Herman. And I'm going to reference this book quite a bit. Um, and information I learned from this book. And if you are interested in anything that I'm saying, I'm touching the surface of this book and I'm touching the surface of what I have learned in school and just throughout my own research and continuing education. So if you want to know more about this subject, that book, Trauma and Recovery, is a great resource. It summarizes a lot of what has happened and I'm going to take that summary and summarize it even more. And Again, keep in mind, I'm scratching the surface here. So take this in knowing that I'm condensing a lot of information into a very relatively short conversation with myself and you guys. So I want to start with a direct quote from that book, and it is to study psychological trauma is to come face to face with both the human vulnerability in the natural world 
and with the capacity for evil in human nature. I'm going to read that again a little slower so you can soak that in. To study psychological trauma is to come face to face with both the human vulnerability in the natural world and with the capacity for evil in human nature. And I start with this because I want to validate how much I understand the avoidance of studying, understanding, and processing trauma. To do that forces us to come to terms with some hard truths that I wish were not true. One, that we are vulnerable, and two, that humans have the capacity to engage in pure evilness. I do not like either of those things. However, what we have also learned is that avoiding these things like anything else doesn't make them go away. Avoidance doesn't equal disappearance. It just equals avoidance. And while we are busy avoiding the effects of our trauma, just sit there brewing and growing. So studying the effects of war trauma didn't really start in England and the U.S., until after the First World War, and it actually reached its peak in Vietnam. So we're going to go all through that. So basically, the stuff is fresh and it's new. And to put in perspective, in World War One, over 8 million men died in four years. That is a lot. And one estimate says that psychological breakdowns made up for 40% of the British casualties in this war. That is a lot. So without going into too much detail, before... We were where we are now with PTSD. What PTSD was in women was referred to as something called hysteria. And don't get me started, even though I'm about to get me started. (laughs) But then suddenly men during this time began to break down and act in ways that likened and looked like what was then called hysteria in women. And hysteria back in the day was a disease that at one point was thought to be originated in the uterus. If you really want to have your mind blown, you should research this. It's fascinating. (laughs) I mean, it is fascinating where we used to be. I I don't think I'll ever get over it, but the, the things that we used to think. And by the 1890s, psychologists, including Freud, which is a a big name, I'm assuming a lot of us have heard of him before, they came to the conclusion that it doesn't stem from the uterus and it's actually a condition caused by psychological trauma. So we moved on from that first assumption and eventually they discovered through this work that the patients that they were working with could be helped when the memories and feelings associated with the memories were put into words. Thus began the beginnings of psychotherapy and psychoanalysis. But get this, Freud's study of hysteria in women brought him to the conclusion that hysteria was caused by sexual trauma. However, his discovery of that left him basically ostracized by society because of how painful that finding would have been if it were true. So go back to that first quote that I shared with you guys. And eventually he backtracked on his thesis and said that the accounts of the sexual abuse that he had found, what, which brought him to his conclusion, were lies. So hysteria basically became an illness that women were making up. Cue a lot of eye rolling. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Now, initially, British psychologists attributed these breakdowns that looked like hysteria to symptoms of physical injuries and the concussive effect or effects of exploding shells. And they called this disorder shell shock, which I bet some of you have heard that term before. So that's where that term originated. Now, what was interesting is that men were experiencing these symptoms that weren't actually harmed physically. So eventually, psychologists were forced to acknowledge that this was less about physical trauma and more about psychological trauma. But this acknowledgement wasn't easy. And again, remember how much I'm condensing this. So I kind of feel like I'm doing a disservice to the world of psychology here. But the point is, again, we've come a long way. People can be very off base sometimes. So, oh my gosh, then we talking about being off base. This gets me going when it comes to masculinity in our culture. We will be doing a lot of that talk in the coming weeks. Anyway, so a moral character argument began. So men were supposed to be able to go to war, fight, see some really hard fucking shit, and then come home and be fine. I'm sorry. What? Like what? That was the expectation, right? If you were a morally normal human, healthy human, you were, you should be able to do that, be a man, and then come home and get over it. And Something that was challenged after this war was the idea that being a man and being masculine and strong and and morally sound, which is what you want, and being able to survive the trauma of war without a hiccup weren't synonymous. That was being challenged because that was the belief before. I mean, honestly, can you imagine, I I don't really want you to imagine this, but could you imagine honestly being affected by what one sees in a war zone is a sign of, to me, true connection with yourself and morality in my book if you aren't affected by seeing this stuff something's up truly if that does not affect you that to me means something's morally wrong with you but anyway 
this idea of mental toughness gets pressed deeper and deeper. And those who came back with what was categorized as hysteria and men were looked at as weak or a coward. And sadly, a lot of these men were dishonorably discharged rather than given medical attention like they needed or deserved. Even worse, you guys are hearing the honest real cat come out, but like even worse. Okay. There's this guy named Lewis. I don't know how to say his last name. I think it's either Yeland or Yelland. He advocated for treatment strategies based off of shame, threats, and punishment. And I can barely get through speaking on this because I can't, I mean, I can't believe it happened. I know it happened, but what the heck really WTF they would use electric shock therapy and torture to get men to behave properly. There was an account of one man being shocked on the throat until he finally like spoke or said what they wanted him to say. And I mean, talk about trauma, talk about trauma. Now, thankfully there were some more liberal points of view in this area. However, after the war died, down, so did the interest of studying and treating these individuals. Because again, go back to the beginning, we don't want to look at this if we don't have to. I think that's where a lot of people were wanting to lean into. And when they were treating it, it was really because they were in it and they had to, and they had these men acting in quotes, hysterical. So then around 1922, keep in mind, this really wasn't that long ago. This man named Abram Cardiner was like, Hey, This does need attention, and I'm going to put some attention on it. So he set up a psychiatry practice in New York City, and he began to work with the Veterans Bureau. Sadly, he didn't find much success working with the men who were suffering from what he then called war neurosis. And so he took some time off, he studied some other things, and eventually he, he came back. And one thing he did that I think was crucial is that he noted that even though the symptoms were that they were looking at looked like what was labeled as hysteria in women, it wasn't helpful calling it that for multiple reasons. One being that the idea of hysteria, which again, go back to what I said earlier, gave the notion that the patient is of some predatory nature and is basically making things up and is trying to get attention or get something from nothing, from something that didn't happen. It was very invalidating to say the least because of how that was looked at, which now it's not looked at that way. But back then that's still, they, they were not acknowledging why those women were actually acting that way and why they were having those symptoms. And so we know now that validation of one's experience is an essential part of care for somebody with trauma. So that was huge to destigmatize that whole situation. And eventually this guy developed the outlines of how we view PTSD today, which is super cool. And soon after he did that, it was recognized that any man could have a breakdown in quotes after a war. And it was a, it wasn't a matter of strength or moral character. So thank God. So in the second world war, and again, I'm leaving out so many details, but in the second world war, basically treatment for men who were exposed to trauma. And I mean, that even sounds weird. Cause that could, that would be everybody, but I digress. The treatment changed and it improved. However, the treatment was more of a short term situation and they were more focused on how to get men who were suffering these acute psychological disturbances back to normal so they could go back and fight and do their job. It was about how to get them back to normal in the now and how to return them to work rather than how to heal the long term effects. So we're going with progress, not perfection, I suppose. So 
after that war died down, so did the attention again. And that was normal, especially because at that time they were focused on the here and now, and there was not an emphasis on how this stuff would affect people in the future. So to make this even crazier, when we talk about this wasn't that long ago, it wasn't until about 1970 when the Vietnam War came into play that people started focusing on the long-term effects of war trauma, which is crazy. And eventually, because of some very large pushes from certain groups, PTSD was eventually recognized. Now, this happened largely due to things called RAP groups, which were groups created by the anti-war Vietnam war veterans. And the political pressure that these groups put on the government ended in a mandate for a psychological treatment program called Operation Outreach within the Veterans Administration. This also made possible for comprehensive studies that looked at the impact of war on veterans returning home. And then this resulted in a research that mapped out post-traumatic stress disorder and proved a connection between PTSD and combat exposure. And then in 1980, which again, think about it, not that long ago, 1980, the first time that the APA acknowledged post-traumatic stress disorder in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual for Mental Health Disorders. So PTSD wasn't in there until 1980. (sighs) Now, you know how I, I said in the beginning, we're talking about a story within a story within a story. Here's another story that I think is important. A huge issue with all of this, if you really sit down and think about it and you look at what has happened, that the truth is it's really easy to blame a victim when it comes to this stuff, especially if you've never experienced what being in a situation like this can do and what it feels like. And I don't like to compare trauma, but I think people might be able to relate to this. Have you ever looked at someone and been like, I don't understand how she stays with that abusive partner? Well, she or he probably isn't really choosing this. And that's what I'm saying. It's really easy to blame the victim. It's easy to blame that person, especially when they're adults and you think that they have full autonomy. However, they are most likely traumatized and brainwashed. They're not weak or moral failings of humans. And just so we are all on the same page with this, there is zero current research that identifies a personality trait that makes women more susceptible to abusive relationship. It's not because something innately in them, their makeup changes when they are being traumatized. So I just really want to say this very loud and very, very clear. If you have ever felt weak or dumb, or like it's your fault that you've got yourself in a situation, like I just mentioned, it's not your fault and nothing is inherently wrong with you. You know, there is another direct quote that I'm going to take from that book, and I don't even know where it is. I just know that I wrote it down, and it is this. It is sometimes forgotten that men's violence is men's behavior. And oh my gosh, that's so good. We should not be trying to explain men's behavior by characteristics of women, period. So with all of that information, a key to understanding PTSD is that the human after the abuse happens is different than the human before the abuse, right? So we cannot explain somebody's symptoms of abuse by blaming the victim. It does not make sense. And basically what I'm talking about here is that 
people have been being overlooked and their symptoms of abuse and trauma have been diagnosed wrong for a long time and still are sometimes and they're diagnosed a lot of times as personality disorders just just personality disorders now 1890 is not that long ago and until then we were looking at individuals as the problem and not what happened to them and for me this really allows a lot more empathy and understanding for humans of all kinds and Man, I I think about Freud and how on it he was going back to the conversation around hysteria and how sad it is that he and we, the world, couldn't sit with the actual truth. So what causes PTSD, right? Because I said earlier, just because you have trauma doesn't mean you have PTSD. Why do some people get it and some people don't? Well, in a little baby nutshell, we're going to talk about this in a little baby nutshell. When somebody experiences a traumatic event, it invokes the feelings of fight, flight, or freeze, right? This is located in the limbic system of the brain. Sometimes this experience is resolved emotionally on its own, and it moves to whatever storage place it needs to go in the brain, and it holds an appropriate narrative. However, there are times when a traumatic experience is not resolved, and it gets stuck in the part of the brain that holds the feelings of fight, flight, or freeze. And something that gets confused is that people who are struggling with PTSD aren't reliving things in the past. They are reliving trauma that is happening currently in their body. If you want to know more about this, I highly, highly, highly recommend reading the book, The Body Keeps the Score. It goes into detail of all of this stuff. Also, what I think people don't fully understand either is that PTSD deals with the emotional brain, not the rational brain. They're different, period. And you know what I don't want to do because of what I said in the very beginning of this episode is give too much information about things that I'm not a full expert in or that I just don't know that I need to just be talking about on the interwebs. So I'm not going to go through the DSM-5 and I'm not going to talk about the diagnostic criteria of PTSD and complex PTSD. What I will do is talk about the difference. So trauma is trauma is trauma. It's all valid. Trauma is trauma. It doesn't matter what kind it is. It's still all valid. And there is a huge difference in how different kinds of trauma can affect each of us. And so, no, not all people who experience trauma have PTSD and not all PTSD is complex PTSD. What it is, is it's all worthy of care and repair and treatment, but they're not all the same. So PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder is defined by symptoms that arise in response to a traumatic incident that overwhelms somebody's ability to cope. Complex PTSD is different from PTSD in the fact that it is a result of chronic exposure to traumatic events over periods of time, months, years, time. The types of events that are typical with this type of diagnosis, it's that's more like prisoner of war, any kind of torture, long-term childhood sexual abuse, just any kind of prolonged abuse, sex trafficking versus one incident. Sometimes the symptoms can look very different. Sometimes they can look more severe. There can be more re-experiencing of the trauma. I mean, that can happen with PTSD too, but most of the time the effects of complex PTSD and the symptoms are more severe than PTSD. And while the treatment might look the same, it might take longer. You might have to spend more time in certain areas of the treatment. And it can, it can be, using the word, more complex. So here we are. <laughs> at the end of a very emotionally fueled episode. And what I hope that what today brought is awareness of the multiple facets of stories woven in this information, the ability to change, 
the importance of knowing where we came from, the importance of continuing to learn and the importance of one trusting what we learn. If Freud would have trusted what he learned about women back in the day, things would have been a little bit different. And the ability to differentiate and own our stories rather than have people tell us what is our story and what our story means. Because one thing that I might do with clients is, you know, gently acknowledge that what they've experienced is considered trauma. But what I won't ever do is tell them what that trauma means for them. I won't do that. That is up to an individual to identify and name and own because so much of the work when it comes to trauma is creating a narrative and having the um, individual be in control of that narrative. And another thing I want us to learn is that it is so easy to blame a victim. It has been very easy to blame victims in our past. And at some point, we've really got to learn from our past. I think that point might be now. And to offer those who may be struggling to show up the way you want them to show up, offer them some grace and maybe the benefit of the doubt. I always say that people weren't born with these core beliefs about the world and themselves that are negative and icky. They're things that are taught and learned. And so are the things that people end up doing and experiencing in the aftermath of being exposed to complex trauma. So I don't really know how to end this one because I feel like I've just talked about a lot of like really serious stuff in a very matter of fact way. I don't know if that's just me, but yeah, I guess it's, you just have to end it. So thanks for listening. And if you're listening on Monday, I hope you guys are having a a good day off. If you get that, I also acknowledge that not everybody gets to have this day off. And so if you don't get this day off, then I hope you're also having not a good day, but the day you need to have. And I will talk to you guys on Wednesday for Couch Talks. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now.